And welcome back to episode two of this Gumpcast, which I am recording once every two weeks to promote a book that I wrote. And I interview in each episode someone that was brave enough to be vulnerable and share a story that inspired me to write that novel. There are 11 chapters so far on gumption.substack.com. You guys can read them all at one go, or you can read them uh, once every two weeks as we cover what was behind the chapters. Thank you for everyone that has been leaving comments, sending me emails, calling me and telling me what they liked and what they didn't like. This is all fuel for my creativity, so I really appreciate that. Please keep them coming. And if you like this episode or a chapter, please share it with your friends. The more the merrier. I want you to be really excited about today's episode because, first of all, we are going to be summoning people from the dead, (laughs) particularly my grandfather, who was a major source of inspiration for me, but also is a key character in the book and and, and appears as Babu, who is Muscat's grandfather. So I'm recording this episode as a tribute to my grandfather. And I also wrote the chapter almost completely based on his personality and things that he actually told us. He presented to me someone who had this balance between masculine and feminine so much. He was so perceptive of his own emotions and other people's emotions. And as you'll see in this episode was someone who was both a military general and also a very creative person. He was known for his photography and his books about photography, but he also painted, he also drew, and he was also an architect. So he gave me sort of an ideal that I still aspire to become, especially in his balance between being strong and also feeling into his emotions, which I'll talk about a lot today. And, you know, I was struggling about how to bring him kind of into the episode because he's passed away nine years ago. And so my guest for the episode is going to be another expert on my grandfather, which is my one and only sister, Lena Shaker. I love Lena so much, and it's not just because she's my baby sister, but she's also my oldest best friend and also my very first therapist. She's actually a psychologist who left that career of clinical therapy and started painting, and started painting some really amazing shit that she's now selling, so I'm really proud of her. And I think she took a lot of that from my grandfather, and he certainly left an impact and inspired her in many ways, similarly to what impact Babu had on Muscat throughout the story. And what I love the most about Lena is that I can talk to her about almost anything. And we can get into really wacky subjects. And a few weeks ago, I was wondering what I'm going to do for this episode. And I had just moved out from an apartment, moving to another one. And I stopped in a hotel to relax for the night. And I get to the hotel, I'm really tired from the move, I take a shower, I get out and get in one of those hotel bathrobes, and I'm about to sleep and take a nap, but then I find a message from Lena, 
with a meditation in it. And so I played that meditation. Let's begin. Sitting in a comfortable position. Gently close your eyes. And yeah, that was pretty much it. I got knocked out completely for like a whole hour. And then I wake up and find a very interesting message from Lena about how she actually met Dudu and hung out with him in this meditation. And I just thought this is perfect for this episode. Lena, would you come and tell the story to the audience? And so without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Lena Shaker. Hey, Visu. Hey, Visu. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we wouldn't be able to talk much. <laughs> so I'm really excited to be recording this with you. I um, think you gave me the best gift just a couple of weeks ago, but with your story, mm -hmm. because I was thinking of what kind of episode can I do about Dudu mm -hmm. without bringing dudu in the actual episode and you gave me such an interesting way to look at this and you came with the answer when i really needed it so uh, thanks for being my spirit guide for this episode um, you gave me a lot of good material and i'm really excited to hear your story so why don't we start there you have a lot to share about dudu and you yourself being a an artist now and and, and you're creative but uh, tell us a little bit about that meditation and how you experienced it. What was it like? So a few weeks ago, I was doing this meditation about meeting your spirit guide. And I had done a similar one before, but nothing really came out of it. Um, it just put me in a meditative state. I couldn't really visualize anything. But this time, it starts off with asking you to, to visualize these stairs. And you're going down these stairs and it takes you to this beautiful garden. Um, where you see a light coming towards you, and that's your spirit guide. Imagine you are standing at the top of a staircase. There are only ten steps, not very many. You step onto the ground now, and you see all the light is beaming around big doors on a grassy hill. You walk up to the doors and use both hands and just a little effort to push the doors open. Breathing in and out. Noticing that there is a bright light at the bottom of the staircase. So with me, I could visualize the stairs very easily and the garden, but then as soon as this light comes towards me, I wasn't really seeing anything, but there, were, there, there was a lot of emotion. In this bliss, you remember that you intended to meet your spirit guides or your inner being and turn to see a figure in the distance walking towards you. I knew that Dudu was there. Dudu passed away like nine years ago. So it was very interesting that he would be the one there. We didn't really talk, but there was a lot of emotions going around, like I said. It was very intense, it was very powerful. Like I knew it was him, I couldn't see him, but I knew it was him. And I knew what we were doing, like we were sitting on a bench and we weren't talking, but we were just being in, in, in each other's presence. Um, and then I was, I was just crying the entire time, like in, in real life. Um, and then 
uh, we weren't talking, but there was this like sentence being thrown around like the entire time, like it was on repeat. And it was like, all the answers are within you. That's really amazing and does sound very powerful. Now, what's interesting about it is that you you felt that, that those words that were being thrown out mm-hmm. at you were very relevant to you in this stage of your life mm-hmm. too, right? Like he was there to guide you through the current moments uh, that you're in. And how, like, what do you make out of that, you know, after that meditation, coming back to this real world mm-hmm. and having experienced something that's almost in another dimension, but it really affected how you felt. Do you feel like you took something back? Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, well, it's happened at a time where I'm currently in between jobs and like just feeling this overall sense of being lost. Mm. So after after the meditation, I was just crying, but there was a part of me that thought maybe like like the sentence that was being thrown around, all the answers are within you. It's just like like a, it's just like part of myself, just reassuring myself in this meditation. That's not necessarily like someone guiding me or anything. A few days afterwards, um, I started receiving or getting a lot of opportunities thrown at me, uh, which I didn't really think much of. But and then after this, like, I, I, I went for an interview for a job. And then on my way back, this was a very interesting thing. I couldn't find any parking space downstairs at home. So I had to park really far. And then on, when I was walking back home, like, there wasn't the usual route that I take. There was an old lady that was coming like in the opposite direction. And as soon as we crossed paths, she smelled exactly like Dudu. Wow. Which I thought was, was very interesting. Hmm. And then it just like made me believe more that maybe he is my spirit guide. Maybe he is actually guiding me. The idea of having him come up for you during this time is huge and because mm-hmm. you know he was both he's a photographer he was a writer but he's also a painter mm-hmm. and and uh, and he used to do sketches all the time despite being a military general which i find very interesting that he was able to tap into all this creative energy which i try to bring out in chapter two of the book as like the holy grail for muscat and what he's looking for in terms of like his own development but for you it's really interesting because in the same room he's he sat here so many mm-hmm. times um and it seems like he played a huge role in real life in your own development and now becoming an artist. And now we're sitting in this room and there are these large canvases that you're drawing. Mm-hmm. And it's so incredible to see your development uh, as an artist. But tell me more about how he inspired that creative part of you. And you were telling me that you, you can almost trace it back to him, mm-hmm. uh, the reason why you're able to do that. and. Congratulations, by the way, on being able to get, you know, paid for creating more of your art. It's really inspiring to me as well. Thanks. So, you know, what was his role that, that he played and what kind of um, qualities of his character do you still try to kind of have guide your creative process? So he's impacted all of us with like different in- artistic interests, like photography or graphic design or painting with me and writing with you and... Um, so I guess like being exposed to all of these things played a huge role. And it's like what you wrote in chapter two about like how he he always like prioritized hobbies. And, and it was a huge part of our childhood, even like having having like seeing him have all of these different hobbies. They they made us who we are, who in, we a, are. in a in a big sense. Yeah. Um, 
And I tell that frequently to my friends. I remember him telling a lot of my friends that came over, especially that we were studying medicine um, and trying to, you know, I have so many memories of him telling us that hobbies are the only thing that stay for you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah. And I've, I've certainly been trying to like cultivate mm-hmm. more hobbies and get a lot more joy. And it's uh, all thanks to him, mm-hmm. really. For sure. And yeah, you brought me back to so many memories of him showing us stuff. Uh, and even like just being in his house was a trip always, <laughs> right? Because like he built it himself. He was yeah. also an architect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we tend to think that we have so many careers now and we're jumping careers and stuff. But man, that guy did so much in his life. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the creative ability was always very present uh-huh. in Definitely. everything. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Even like the he created a whole like tool wasn't like a toolbox it was a tool room mm-hmm. it was like a tiny mm-hmm. room that he created out of nowhere and had all of his tools yeah it was very cool and in in the very last chapter of this part that i published mm-hmm. is is uh, i i feature that uh, tool room actually <laughs> uh, and how he used to he, he drew around mm-hmm. everything like yeah. everything was so custom made right mm-hmm. he loved using his hands mm-hmm. to do stuff and for me it was such a an interesting uh, contrast between him and 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 my dad who who mm-hmm. thanks to my dad like i have the drive to be successful in many ways but uh, dudu taught me other things mm-hmm. very very different things and that's also i guess because of the part of his life that he was in mm-hmm. uh, much older and, and calmer going back to your book mm-hmm. um i've noticed that dudu like the way that you wrote about dudu it's it was it was like reading his autobiography in a way. <laughs> Like, even the stories that he would always tell us, like his sisters, like the chicken and all of that. It was exactly how he would tell it to us. It was unchanged. So I was just wondering, why, why Dudu? The way he approached people, I think, in general, mm-hmm. was very interesting. And I maybe took it for granted when he was alive. But now that, you know, I'm trying to be a like you know better man mm-hmm. as, as i grow older and especially in you know as a man you you do have a lot of power and he was a military man mm-hmm. so he ha- he he had a lot of power in his life um but he but the way he lived his life wasn't that like he he didn't abuse like his um authority even even as like you know the 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 breadwinner of the house right yeah. he so one of the things that i write is like when he he called a our grandma government akuma <laughs> right and it's always really funny when you talk about it cuz it's so relatable to people mm-hmm. but he he i think it's funny because like we're talking about you know authority and gender imbalance and and Grandma was the authority in the house, right? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> he was the fun one. And he remained fun. Um and you know, even in like uh, his love for like sweets or <laughs> and and I remember him like always being forgiving too. Yeah. In a way that was so interesting. Like, you know, we had the 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 garage downstairs and he would always have the this these uh, chains mm-hmm. to block people from coming and, and blocking his car off mm-hmm. and he would work so hard on keeping the thing on mm-hmm. 
and we knew how much he got pissed off when people would come so he would generally try to make them know that you know this is a trust this person is trespassing mm -hmm. and he would put a lot of effort into like making it there but if it so happens that we're in the kitchen and we come out and there's a car there he doesn't like get into a fit mm -hmm. he's just like okay we're taking the metro <laughs> but he there's something about him that i think made him really tap into that creative energy mm -hmm. and it's part of the reason why i wrote this book but it's only stuff that i'm starting to learn now in my life in my 30s and um and that's like how much he was able to let go of just like being hyper masculine mm -hmm. in the same in the way that we are told to be right to me he was a guy that i saw him cry millions of times right probably saw, saw him cry more than i saw you cry and you're my baby sister you mm -hmm. know so I, i saw him like um really easily express emotions yeah, and and just going all the way whether it's like happiness or sadness mm -hmm. but i don't see many guys now that can do that and it's certainly hard for me just the way i learned to interact with the world was like if you if i cry then i'm weak mm -hmm. i'm not a man it's mm -hmm. it's very emasculating for me and and even for a woman like <clears throat> that's a whole nother story but like The, uh, the whole gender is seen as weak because uh, we're, women are considered more emotional. Mm -hmm. But Dudu is a great, uh, is a great like you know exhibit. He exhibited this idea that when you cry, that's where your power comes from. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have been able to create so much, and he wouldn't have been so curious about the world if he wasn't like in tune with these emotions and always wanting to like understand what others feel as well. For sure. And. When I look at the world around me, I, I, I see him as a role model, but I don't see a lot of people like him. And I think mm -hmm. it's a great conversation to be had. And, you know, I'm curious for you now, like you're 27, you, you live in Cairo. When you look at, you know, her circle of friends, but also like men at large, and you've traveled, you're just living in Paris, you live in the States for a bit. How do you see men right now in terms of like how much they're in tune with that? kind of feminine side which is arguably where we get the creation from like you know the that like, like females in general that's where humanity is born and creation comes from it and ancient civilizations used to really make goddesses out of women mm -hmm. and now as a society we've degraded women women so much uh, in both the workplace and outside the workplace that a lot of the things that come up and all of the stereotypes that we have may seem okay but they really aren't and it's like we're we're losing a lot so mm -hmm. when you think of dudu and how he used to carry himself around um and and now in this like quote-unquote modern society you know do you do you see any of your friends that might you know aspire to even like get to where dudu was at in terms of like his this balance mm -hmm. and what do you see at large in society when it comes to balancing the masculine and feminine No, I definitely think Dudu was progressive for his time. I think it's very hard for for men or even boys in Egypt to 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 see how there's power and vulnerability and how hmm. I and mean, there's there's this saying that men don't cry. Mm -hmm. if, if a six year old cries, like a boy, a six year old boy cries. Mm -hmm. his parents would be like no no don't cry because men don't cry mm -hmm. and I think that from a young age 
men are being brought up in this in a way that like teaches them that when whatever emotions they show if if they're emotional if if they're showing any vulnerability that this is a weakness mm-hmm. um and i think it's it's very prevalent in in all ages across men in in, in egypt mm-hmm. um as for like my circle of friends like there's definitely less men i know that are close to getting that balance you can't show too much emotions you can't cry you can't forever because you're going to be perceived as weak or people are going to take advantage of you and all that which is a very big misconception but what i've seen an increase in awareness in lately uh, is definitely after the me too movement but not in terms of men being in touch with their feminine energy it's more of men just being aware of how women are being treated in Egypt or in everywhere but specifically in Egypt and what i've noticed is that a lot of my guy friends they were completely clueless to the things that women go through like they wouldn't believe that a woman walking in the street alone even if she's dressed conserv- conservatively which shouldn't be an issue they wouldn't believe that that she would get harassed so this is what i i have noticed has been changing recently and maybe this is a step in the right direction towards like, getting in touch with your feminine energy but um but it's definitely like there's definitely a long way to go to to reach that to have men accept that they can feel and express these emotions without being shamed like you said or or feeling that they're weaker or inferior i think it's a long way to go but it's definitely a step in the right direction yeah and i agree those movements spark conversations that are helping us become more aware and from that awareness do you believe that we are more aware than our parents like when i think of mom and dad they probably i'd be guessing never had a conversation similar to the one that you and i are having now so being the this generation where a lot of this awakening perhaps through access to media perhaps through something cosmic going on who knows but we know a lot of stuff and we have access to so much in this world what what is our responsibility towards them do you think we need to help them see things in a different way or do we just need to make peace with the fact that we as a generation are going to think differently ideally i would say to to try to to educate them and like start a conversation with them about that but practically i think we should just keep the peace <laughs> <laughs> and we've seen we've seen that happen so many times in the past decade or so right with like the revolution the conversation that we're having at the dinner table uh, obviously like polarized and then when we're talking about things like racism uh, gender inequality we certainly tend to be having different ideas and i don't think it's just that we're you know westernized and americanized no i think these conversations are more of a generational conversation mm-hmm. and um It's the same conversation that people in America would be having with their parents, exactly. especially about gender roles. Mm-hmm. And I certainly see any creative endeavor that I do is more of like me being in touch with my feminine self. Mm-hmm. And the more the more I'm intimate with it, the more I feel like I can just express mm-hmm. and and be heard and 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 stop feeling so misunderstood and the uh, the world hates me. But what how is it for you like growing up from what you were telling us about 
you know, being being shamed for being too much or or expressing too much to uh, now being creative. How do you how did you change that narrative in your in your head, and how did you accept these emotions? How do you accept being emotional? And I'm sure some people can still like tell you, oh, you're like you're expressing too much or like you're being um, too loud or you know why are you crying and. I I must have told you that <laughs> many times. I've certainly seen people t- tell you that, including our parents. But how do you how do you counter that as a creative now in your everyday life? How do you overcome that voice inside you for you that tells you stop being cre stop stop being too much, and just accepting it and letting it flow through you, and from there letting all this art come out. Like. Um, I think this all changed. In college, I think I'm not sure how. Like it wasn't being creative that helped me overcome being emotional. It's it's just that there came a point in time when I realized that I should just embrace all of these things and just accept accept that they're part of me, and I started loving these parts of myself as well. And I think this is when I started getting into art. Or like more into art, like being like actually pursuing it. Hmm. So I think it's not that creativity unleashed like these emotions. I think it was the other way around. That being emotional helped me unleash my creativity. Like in, when I was a teenager as well, that I would I would be ashamed of crying too. Like I didn't want to be perceived as being too emotional. As oh, she's that girl who who cries or who like hmm. expresses herself in a way that. And then, like, people, when I was younger, when they were my age as well, they would they would call me, like, oh, you're too emotional, you're, I don't know what. And, hmm. and that was that was the thing with, with everyone. It's not just that it happened to me, but it, so, so automatically, like, I tried to, to hide my emotions more even. I tried to, like, cry less, cry alone. Like, just genuinely hide all of these, like, emotions that were going internally and, like, internalizing everything, which wasn't healthy at all. Uh, so I guess it also affects women in a way that they too are trying to become more like men. And I think it's very apparent in workplaces specifically, mm-hmm. Um, which is also unhealthy. It's it's causing the imbalance mm-hmm. to ex- extend beyond mm-hmm. what we're doing it because it's almost becoming an ideal now, right? Exactly. So... In, in in like your friends group and mm-hmm. when when you see that happen like when you see a guy being tried to trying to like hide their emotions and stuff how can you approach it as someone who's his friend because at the end of the day we're not you know hiding our emotions because we want to be evil we want to be better human mm-hmm. beings and we think and it's not an idea that every man creates on his own, right? It's a collective narrative that mm-hmm. we have created. So you having that awareness, me having that awareness. Um, and then I, I'm sure you accept your friends, you know, regardless, because they're, they're not trying to harm you with that. And I think the problem with this whole gender narrative, I think, is that it lacks compassion big time because mm-hmm. it's like this othering uh, and we can't reconcile that within us somehow. So it's like... Oh, you're like be be like a man. Don't be a woman. And and for the woman, we throw like this idea of 
yeah, you know, be like a man so that you can rise in the ranks and stuff. But what can you do on like more of a, a, a day-to-day level with your friends who you are going to hang out with, you know, assuming they don't cross the boundaries with your values or and their this machismo doesn't turn into like some sort of like aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, but a huge part of it is kind of like really normalized in society, right? And we accept it as jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I guess, you know, could be fine or not. But, you know, what do you think you can do? What's your responsibility towards your friends that might not be completely aware of this dialogue? I don't think it's it's harmful to, to, to another person. I think, like, when you talk about harmful, it's just... It's not harmful. It's just unhealthy to yourself. It's like being inauthentic to yourself. It's, mm. But I don't think it... it like, it, it affects everyone as, like, a community... But I think individually, like that's where the harm is done. It's not, it doesn't like affect the other person as much as it affects you individually, which affects is the collective conscious. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think like to, to how to solve this is just to encourage everyone around you to 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 talk to you. If if someone's being emotional, don't pass along these like unnecessary comments about how someone's being too emotional or oh I don't know who was crying yesterday and stuff you should just encourage and be there for people and mm-hmm. like I think we pass a lot of judgment every day like we don't have to do that when it comes to emotions as well <laughs> yeah yeah Bisu it's been awesome talking to you I really enjoyed this conversation and I can't wait to put it out there in the world and share some of these uh, findings. Is there, are there any any last words you'd like to share with the audience before we close? Thank you, Visa, for having me and making me part of this very special chapter uh, and for keeping Dudu alive with us. Um, I'm very excited to, to read the next chapters and see how Babu's influence on Muscat and I really think that there needs to be a lot of conversations about the whole gender thing and tapping into like different genders energies and I think that through your book we can we can spark conversations like these. All right, folks, that's it for chapter two. Please subscribe if you haven't to make sure you get notified when I post next. And it's going to be about chapter three. And I'm going to be back with a new guest. Please keep these comments coming. Keep the questions alive. And do send me those emails. If you are a man, cry a little, have fun with yourself. Show some emotions. If you're a woman, be assertive. Put these boundaries. No matter how you identify, let's have fun with it. Let's have let's play with these gender roles. They're all in our minds. Or maybe they're not. Who cares? Just have fun. And I'll see you soon. <laughs>